Um, I believe it was my second second ever show ring announcing, and the first one was like months, months and months before this. And I, I knew MWA was coming back to Lincoln, Nebraska, and I, I reached out to Brian Blade, and I said, hey, uh, I see you're coming back. Uh, is it cool if I ring announce again? And he he was all for it, so you know, I started handing out flyers, whatever else. I had such bad stomach problems at that time, um, and I, I don't want to go into details with it, but I was I was in pain quite often, especially if I was in one spot for too long or whatever else. So I'm ring announcing this Royal Rumble match, and I'm ring announcing from afar because you know I'm not going to be in the middle of the ring during a Royal Rumble. That just doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> and right. <laughs> uh, and at one point, my stomach was bothering me so bad. And I had a, a former coworker who I knew had stomach issues in the past, so I was kind of reaching out to him, you know, keeping an eye on the time to announce whoever was coming in next. And I had seen you and one chief out of Kua Kua who I just met that night for the first time as well. You both kind of, you were eliminated around the same time, and you started fighting to the back. And next thing I know, I have a 400-pound beast in my face, that got thrown into me, and I was like, hold on, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I'm sure I shook your hand before the show, but that was my official meeting with you, I will still say. <laughs> yep, good times, my friend, good times. It's time! Are you ready? Welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and today we've been trying to get this interview going for a while, and we've had mishaps along the way, but it was one I've always trusted that we'll be able to get on, so it's my honor honor to announce that today's interview is with none other than the Wild Man Beast. Beast, how are you doing today? I'm doing good today on this lovely Monday. It's beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely. It's so great to see you and uh, be able to talk to you here and uh, see that, that bright bright eyes of beasts. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess we can only show so much on an audio podcast, but I always, I always have a good time talking to you just with basic conversations, whatever else. So now I get to have the opportunity to talk to you where we have an audience who will listen to it afterwards. So, <laughs> Awesome. That'll be, that's awesome. So, so, um, just get right to it. So beast, I've always, I've always, you know, they, they say in the wrestling business, you, you know, you have so many acquaintances and then you can only, uh, even at times count on one hand, the amount of friends you have. And for me, like, I, I like to pride myself in getting along with just about everybody. I I don't want to cause drama. don't want to cause issues. And I, I'm genuinely, uh, just a, like bright-eyed, cheery person myself, anyway, and really wanting to get along. But the word I like mm-hmm. to use when it comes to friends and just the uh, that lower number that you talk about is when I say ones I respect the most in this business. Then 
I, I have so much respect for so many, but that number dwindles down when I say one of the ones I have the most respect for. And I am proud to say, Beast, you are one of those that I have the most respect for. So it's an honor for me to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. It's an honor that you know that, that you have me here. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's kind of get from the get-go. Uh, you, you've been in the wrestling business for a very long time, but I want to kind of rewind even further than that, if you don't mind. What was, like... As a young beast, what was it that got you into wrestling in the first place? Who were some of the wrestlers you looked up to? Like, tell me your story a little bit, if you don't mind. <laughs> oh, this is a funny story. Okay, I basically, uh, <clears throat> at, as a kid growing up, my mom and dad and my grandmother was very, very strict Catholic people. They were very strict church going. And every Sunday, I would spend a night over at my grandmother's house and go to church with her every Sunday. And then after mass and everything, I would basically sit in her her dining room or the kitchen area and do my homework. And I would hear her in the in her bedroom saying, "Kick his freaking 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 frack! Oh, I don't choke that freaking freaking son of a so freaking frack!" And I'm like. What? Who is she swearing at? <laughs> but she always kept her door closed, and so you know, curiosity, <clears throat> you know, killed the cat. So I peeked in, and as soon as I opened the door, the first thing, person I seen was the Nature Boy Ric Flair walking to the ring in his nice million dollar robe, fighting against the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. And my grandmother turned around, "You're not supposed to be watching this game, Dad." <laughs> and that's what basically caught my eye and every you know after that every Sunday she's like please don't tell your mom and dad that that you're watching this every and and from that point on I just fell in love with it and I see why she was saying the freaking fracking fracking freaking fracking frick <laughs> when when the four horsemen was jumping you know Dusty Rose back in that in the NWA era and you know I just got involved with it with her and I was basically before wrestling. I was studying to become a priest. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, because you know my, I was brought up in a great home. You know, always. Yeah. You know, my family always brought me up to be kind and helpful to everyone and stuff like that. And my grandmother was basically a social worker. She always helped feed the needy and people in need and stuff like that. So. Excuse me. I grew up around that, you know, watching my grandmother do that. And that was something that I wanted to do as a youngster. But, you know, God rest my grandmother's soul. She 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 had a sailor's mouth. But every Sunday she go say her whatever prayers. And then once she <laughs> gets a half a block away from the church, it's boom. And I like I say, Grandma, we just left church. She's like, well, God forgave me for those for the week. I, I just. So I'm starting fresh, though, when I go back <laughs> next Sunday. So, but yeah, we, my grandmother and I, you know, got the best relationship. And then from that point on, you know, started watching more and more wrestling and got more into it. And then didn't get a chance to ever see it live. Okay. But I did, but I did wrestle and, you know, I did Greco-Roman in grammar school to my sophomore year in high school. And we went down to Minnesota where there was Brad Riggins and Kim Pateri at one of the meets. And I, I wasn't this plumptuous like I am now, but I was <laughs> pretty well, pretty well, you know, built 
and everything. And they pulled me to the side and said, hey, we heard that you like wrestling. I'm like, yeah. So I went to the training camp and out there and learned a lot of stuff. And then my trainer trainer, the one who stuck with me the longest, was Drew Tasso from Appleton, Minnesota. He helped me, you know, evolve more into the business. And then that's when I started doing ring crew for WCW, you know, traveling on the road, just setting up the ring, setting up the barricades, you know. Like everybody say in this wrestling business, you pay your dues. And that was my way of paying my dues. And then, you know, on days that I had off, I would go out to his farm ranch. Now, me being a city boy going out to a farm, where you had to cl- I had to clean up actual pig poop, clean up horse poop, clean out the chicken coop, chop wood, and bring it from from the, from the house all the way to the barn, and that was like a three mile walk. So you would chop wood and walk it from the house to the barn, and then back. And it's like, when am I going to get in the ring? He said, he's, and he, he brought me to the ring and said, can you rub it? And I was like, yeah, can I get in? He's like, nope, that's as far as you're going to get. Hmm. But it took took me um, about two years to actually step inside the ring. And when I finally stepped inside the ring, it felt great because basically that kind of old school training when you're cleaning out a pig farm and cleaning up horse crap, it basically built your cardio up. Okay. Because in different towns and different areas where you travel, you smell different, different scents and you have to get used to it and it helped you breathe better and opened your lungs and everything. And, and I learned so, so much. And I got the opportunity to see Tom, Tom Zink, the Z man, Vader, you know, demolition, all those guys, you know, train and stuff like that. And it was just a phenomenal thing. And as time went on, I started traveling more with WCW and it was in, um, I forgot the year, but it was in Detroit, Michigan at the Cobo Arena. Um, one of the guys, flights didn't show up, and Dusty Rhodes was the agent for, for this event. He was, all, you know, the big the agent for, for some of the shows out there. And he's like, all right, Beast, get your gear on. I'm like, what? He's like, get your gear on. I'm like, okay. And here I am, this freshly green guy at the Cobo Arena. And I and back then they didn't have cell phones. Only thing that they had were beepers. So <laughs> and the old school pay phones. So you could tell how long that was. <laughs> yeah. So I had to call one of my best friends and I said, "Hey, I'm making my debut." He's like, "Yeah, right." And he heard the crowd. He's like, "Oh my god!" And the first match ever wrestling for WCW in front of fifteen to twenty thousand people. Um, the referee for that match was Nick Patrick. Oh, okay. And I, yeah, and one of the greatest I, in my in my life growing up was Gary Michael Capetta. Yeah, who who actually introduced you know introduced me and Dusty Rose and him didn't tell me who I was facing, so oh. I, I'm nervous as is all crap, and I'm like, okay, okay, ooh, ooh, I'm nervous. Oh, I'm nervous, and then all of a sudden. The lights go off, and then a big spotlight hits the curtain, and it was no other no other person but the barbarian. Oh, welcome to the so, business, kid. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in my head. I'm like, 
fudge. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the best experience ever in my life to to have wrestled him and you you know after the match and everything you have Lex Luger, Flair, Brian Pillman, Ron Simmons, Vader, you know a lot of these guys that I had seen on TV actually back there in the locker room it's like wow I actually did and then from that point on I traveled a lot with WCW I been like to every little small town areas every little um, big city there was and I learned a lot of stuff and God rest his soul Harley Race took me underneath his wing traveling he called me his travel son and whenever we would go to Kansas City, you know, with his when his wife was alive as well, God rest her. So, you know, all the guys would go over to Harley's house and have a big shebang cookout. Harley would cook for all the guys, and I stayed at the building. Being being a green guy, you know, you respect that. Sure. And I had I had just ordered a pizza, and all of a sudden I hear a horn, bump bump bump, and I walked to the door. And I hear the banging on the door, and I'm like, who? I'm like, who isn't it? And here is his voice. It's Harley. And I opened the door. I said, yes, sir. Well, he's like, what are you doing here? I said, I just ordered a pizza, sir. He's like, well, you call him and cancel that order. I'm like, but I need to eat. No, you're going to get your ace in my car. You're going to come eat at my home. And I have to say that I had the honor and privilege of eating at Harley Race's house. That's awesome. That that was that put the icing on the cake. I've been around a lot of, you know, big time wrestlers, but to actually go to a wrestler's house, especially of Harley Race's stature in the business and in the industry, it was like <clears throat> a dream come true. I, I I I tell a lot of people this to this day. And there were times where I was on the road and Harley Race was actually booked for like an autograph session and stuff. And I told the guys in the locker room and say, hey, this is a story. And they didn't really believe me. And yeah. Harley walked back there and and Harley's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm telling the story how I ate at your house. And one guy, one of the rest was like, yeah, we don't believe him. And Harley's like, boy, let me tell you something. This kid here, if he tells you that he ate at my house, he ate at my house. He was there with all of us, and everybody got really quiet, and they respected me. And, you know, and I'm honored and blessed that I've wrestled a lot of um, great legends in this industry. You know, went to Canada, had the opportunity to sit down with, you know, no other than Chris Benoit. Okay. And went in the ring with him, and he worked for me for a bit and you know he was a he's he's a tough sob you know you know yeah. the same thing with with eddie guerrero you know a lot of the guys you know respected me you know too cool scorpio you know and I, I i learned a lot of stuff and then after wcw had shut down due to the circumstances with vince mcmahon buying the company out i basically um went to the independent scene and from from the independent scene i've just been wrestling 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 and a lot of a, a lot of the names that had been booked on the shows and stuff and you know 
um, just when they see me in a locker room, they'll, they'll yell out my real name, which I'm not going to say, but they were like, <laughs> Beast, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm booked on the car. And the promoter's like, you know those? You know, they'll ask the, the name. Oh, you know this guy? They're like, well, heck yeah. And and they'll start telling a story how I was in WCW and everybody in the locker room like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so it it was very very well known, and I also, you know, just still doing independent scene. You know, a gentleman by the name of Sonny Rogers had got a hold of me because he liked my in ring work. He's like, "Hey, you want to go back on national TV?" I'm like, "Sure." So he got me a job working doing doing a jobber, what we call in the wrestling business, um, yeah. to work for the American Wrestling Federation. Okay. And they did what they call, you know, like in boxing, you, you fight and then you take a break and then they have 10 rounds. So that, that was kind of different. And I became a national, you know, sensation, you know, I got booked, you know, even more places, you know, like I said, I travel a lot of different areas, you know, from, I'm going to name a few promotions from yeah. MWA, um, Anarchy Pro, um, Saw, Savage Anarchy Wrestling in Marion, Ohio. Like I said, Anarchy Pro back in, you know, in the day in Berwyn, Illinois. Um, God, SICW that, that's ran by Herb Sim, you know, great Herb Simmons, you know, um, I've been to, to MWA with Brian Blade, you know, thank, thank goodness for Brian Blade, you know, um, God, Rampage Wrestling out in Litchfield, you know, St. Louis area, um, Pro Wrestling Epic, what else? Oh, God, there's there's a whole list of right. promotions that I, you know, Squared square Circle Megastars, um, Battle Tested Wrestling. What's the other one? Jeez, SIP that I've wrestled for, uh, that I'm getting ready to um, do some appearances for. Oh, geez, that, the list goes on and on and on. That's that's incredible, and you know, I I really enjoyed your story, and there were so many different questions that popped in my mind during that, <laughs> and I said I gotta ask this, I gotta ask this. This was what was going on in my head. And, you know, but okay. I wanted to keep you going. And so I have questions kind of from all over the place from where you uh, got to talk about your your uh, career there. And but I got to ask first. You, so you you started off watching wrestling kind of in secret. How long did it take before your parents knew that a young little beast <laughs> was a wrestling fan after all? Well, my grandmother had. Here, this is how I got basically caught watching it. My grandmother went to California visit one of her daughters in California, and my mom and dad um, they were at work on a on a Sunday, so I had finished all my homework and I knew what time wrestling came on. So I tried to say, okay, I figured time and time is perfect, but I guess I was off by twenty minutes. I'm sitting up there screaming and yelling and you know, hooting and hollering and swearing like my grandmother. And <laughs> lo and behold, I turn around and there's my mom. What are you watching? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, but, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm glad and I'm, oh, the funny thing is I'm glad and I'm honored that, that I learned it. And when I came back to Chicago, I actually had my mom, my, my great aunt, my grandmother had already passed on, but she, my grandmother actually see me wrestle for the American Wrestling Federation on TV when I was doing my tour with them. And she called my mom and said, Hey, my grandson is getting his ace kicked on national TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my mom's like, huh? She's like, turn to this station. My grandson just got his ace whipped on, you know, by the Samoan SWAT team. And my mom's like, really? And from that point on, you know, you know, she, a few months later, my grandmother succumbed to, to cancer. Oh, okay. You know, so she didn't get actually get a chance to see me live. Yeah. But she actually had the opportunity to see her grandson on national TV. So yeah. that's still a plus for me. Absolutely. And after and after that, you know, I had my mom, my dad, and my uncle and my great aunt come see me wrestling. And I had them at ringside. And my great aunt, Ethel, she's a she was a wrestling fan. But when she sees someone beating on her great nephew... That wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> so she pulled, she went in her purse and pulled out a knife. Oh no! So she she's from she's from the old school. You know you don't beat up on you know family. So security had to you know pull her to the back and stuff. And I had a talk with her. She's like she was like her sister. You know sailor mouth and and it's like I, I had to calm her down. <laughs> And she's like, we're going to the hospital to get you checked out, this and this. But, you know, it's <clears throat> it's a great it's a great wrestling is a great business, you know, especially back in the day when we had the true brotherhood and the true respect of the business. Nowadays, you have guys that don't know any psychology. They don't know how to. um respect some of the veterans that that actually paved the way for them some of them are like very disrespectful yes i may not have the bulging muscles the six-pack gut and all that i have i have a kegger yeah but you know i can still go in the ring and i've wrestled some of the best with 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 my with my size and everything people look at me some fans used to think oh Look at this guy. He he's not he's on not gonna last, you know, five minutes in the ring. And then when they see I can actually wrestle and be in a match for twenty twenty five minutes, they're amazed by it, and they can see the ability and the flexibility in my size. They're like, "Holy crap! Oh wow! For a big guy, you know, wow, you can actually move in the ring." Yes, I can. Yeah, absolutely, and. uh Again, there's still a lot of thoughts I have, but I guess, so going back to Harley Race himself said, you're coming over to my house for dinner. Is that the moment where, was that your, I've made it in the wrestling business? Was that your aha moment then? Yes, it was. Yes, it <laughs> was. It was the, I've done it. I've got the, how do you say it, that official stamp, stamp of seal, and it's like, uh, that was, like I said, that was like the most proudest moment of my my entire wrestling career. 
there's very few in life that I know that has ever been to Harley Race's home that that he really liked and invited to his home to eat, you know, have dinner or whatever. Yeah. And I'm assuming, though, because, I mean, you, you can only say so much or you only did say so much when you were kind of telling your story, but it, it sounds like it legitimately took you from surprise by surprise. I'm guessing, I don't know if you, like, seeing Harley race in the locker room or whatever else, if you were just, I have this goal that one day I'm going to be invited to eat at his home, but I have a feeling that that wasn't necessarily what went to, through your mind. You were just, you are paying your dues is how you probably looked at yeah. it. Yeah, paying my dues, you know, respecting the business, respecting the brotherhood in wrestling, and you know, respecting the guys that that paved the way for for myself and this newer generation to come. And and that, you know, like I said, I, it was just a shocker to me and say, wow, I paid my dues. I'm officially in with the true brotherhood. Yeah. Now, one one other individual who has uh, been on wrestling uh, Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast in the past, uh, episode one of when Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk went to the official audio platform, um, was somebody who also worked quite a bit with Harley Race and traveled the roads with Harley Race was one Dave Sullivan. Uh, did you did you work with Dave at all in WCW? Did you work with him? Do any matches with him? No, I didn't. I didn't have the opportunity at that time. Okay, I'm just still thinking that's crazy how this world works, and and now here we are in 2022, <laughs> 2023 now, and Dave Sullivan and you share a locker room in MWA. Like, <laughs> go, <laughs> like both have walked through that curtain in WCW no, numerous times, and now you kind of came full circle in a bit and especially with Dave who spent years away from the business after WCW. Um, yeah, it's right. just it's bringing the smile to my face thinking about that though, even if you didn't really work with him in WCW. Right. Yeah, but it, it, it was, a, it was a great time. You know, I learned from a lot of, you know, a lot of the guys and stuff like that. Like I said, a lot of them highly respect me, you know, and, and that's one thing in wrestling that, help pave a way and make you noticeable is respect. Absolutely. If if you're in a locker room and you see a veteran that comes into the locker room, offer your cheer to them, pick their brain, ask them questions. That's what they're there for. You know, they, they, they have the best knowledge in this business, in, the, in this wrestling industry itself. You know, if you're thinking that you're better than them, then you're never going to make it in the business, you know. In wrestling, we're all what they call starstruck marks. Sure. But, you know, and, and it's always good to ask questions, you know, be be professional about it and just say, good evening, sir, you know. You know, I, I, I like to ask you a few questions if you're not busy. And if they say, sure, they're, they're more than willing to, you know, give advice, help you out, give you the best knowledge. You know, Kamala, Kamala, Kamala the Ugandan giant, him and I were great friends, and I had the opportunity to wrestle him twice, and he gave me some great knowledge as well. And, you know, I had the opportunity to wrestle 
the, the another WWE legend, Nikolai Volkov. Now that I was nervous as heck, you know, and to to actually you know share a locker room with him and actually to wrestle. It felt like, and I was already like twenty nine years in the in the wrestling. Oh business. man, and. And for them to say you're wrestling Nikolai Volkov, I, it felt like I was on a high pedestal, not, and it seemed like that pedestal knocked me all the way down to back when I first started out. I I was just lost. I'm like, that's Nikolai Volkov. What can I do? He's been around for many many years in the business. So here I am thinking, okay, I'm this green guy. I'm this jobber. I'm getting ready to wrestle with WWF or WWE Hall of Famer. What what can I do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Okay, so I I was going to bring this up, but I was going to hold off until later on. But um, you you said a couple words, and I don't want to say that triggered me, but it made me think. So about and I, I. I don't want to be that that podcast host who brings on these these guys who've wrestled for 30 plus years in the wrestling business and be like, hey, while you're here, let's put the spotlight on me. I don't want to be that guy, but I need to ask because you've, you've seen, I'm sure you've shared a locker room with so many people where you could pinpoint somebody and you say, this person has a future in the business. You could pinpoint somebody who's and say, I'm never going to see this person in the locker room again. I know you've had plenty of those experiences over the years, but about well, four to five years ago in Lincoln, Nebraska, you met a certain ring announcer for the first time, and the, not too long into it was the first match of the night, you work a Royal Rumble match and uh, have a collision that that ring announcer was definitely not expecting did you think that you were like? Did you have thoughts of him at that moment? Did you think you'd still see him in the future? Or, I don't know. I, I guess I never knew like what your opinion was of me early on. So, no, I didn't think he would last that long. It was okay. just a test of willpower and see. Okay, maybe let me scare the crap out of him. And <laughs> hey. <laughs> So, yeah, for for the record, um, and you and I, I think we talk about this almost every time we see each other, almost every time we work together, especially at those after parties. Um, I believe it was my second second ever show, ring announcing, and the first one was like months, months and months before this. And I, I knew MWA was coming back to Lincoln, Nebraska, and I, I reached out to Brian Blade, and I said, hey, uh, I see you're coming back. Uh, is it cool if I ring announce again? And he... He was all for it, so you know I started handing out flyers, whatever else. I had such bad stomach problems at that time, um, and I, I don't want to go into details with it, but I was I was in pain quite often, especially if I was in one spot for too long or whatever else. So I'm ring announcing this Royal Rumble match, and I'm ring announcing from afar because you know I'm not going to be in the middle of the ring during a Royal Rumble. That just doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> and right. <laughs> uh, and at one point. My stomach was bothering me so bad, and I had a, a former coworker who I knew had stomach issues in the past, so I was kind of reaching out to him, you know, keeping an eye on the time to announce whoever was coming in next, 
and I had seen you and one chief out of Kuakua, who I just met that night for the first time as well. You both kind of, you were eliminated around the same time, and you started fighting to the back. And next thing I know, I have a 400-pound beast in my face that got thrown into me, and I was like, hold on, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) And that was, I'm sure I shook your hand before the show, but that was my official meeting with you, I will still say. (laughs) Yep, good times, my friend, good times. Yeah. People that know, know me personally know I'm very outgoing, very outspoken. Yeah. But people that don't know me, I'm the most feared wrestler in the independent scene. So I'm very, <laughs> I, if I like you, I'll talk with you. If I don't like you, I won't say nothing to you, but I am the most feared person around. Like I said, people that know me personally outside of the wrestling business, no, I'm one of the, I, I would give you the shirt off my back. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I, I, I know you, you said you didn't think you'd see me much anymore after that, and I, I appreciate your honesty there. And for whatever reason, I had a feeling, despite whatever skills I may or may not have had at ring announcing, I was brand new to it, but um, that, that was going to be your answer, so I'm completely fine with that. But I remember specifically, and I don't know if I should give this away on air, but you... uh <laughs> You you, uh, you splash me in my chair, and then you whisper in my ear. You're like, "Come to the back." And I was like, "Oh no, I I I already had you running into me, and now you're telling me to come back." I think after the match was over, I I can't remember when, but you told me to come backstage. So I cautiously make my way back there. And you were just <laughs> laughing like you're doing right now, and you're like, "So did I wake you up?" And and I didn't want to explain to you what was going on in my end because for I, I know from what you saw, you saw a ring announcer on his phone. Of course, it's going to look bad. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and so, and you're like, "Hey, can you go get me my headdress?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's fine." But I was like, "Okay, <laughs> he's laughing about it now. We should be able to get along." <laughs> and then, yeah, we've gotten along yeah. so well since then. So, <laughs> yes, we have. So, and then I think it was even. I want to say it was around that time I I worked a show in, I think it was Red Oak, Iowa, and it was like my, yeah, like probably the next day, I think I worked a whole weekend of shows that weekend, and and you have a match against said Chief Atakulakula, um, you know, coming off of that big rumble match where you were eliminated around the same time, and, and we had like, gosh, 12 people, like well, maybe it wasn't that little, but we had so few of the audience there that night like in this small town in Iowa who didn't know who we were and uh and I think our sound system wasn't working so nobody really had intro music I think I had to shout everyone's ring introductions because the mic wasn't working and I I just remember uh you know I'm ring announcing your match and you come out first you're the big heel and you're uh you're sticking your tongue out and you're like trying to intimidate me in the corner and where in retrospect you're like, man, we have such a tiny crowd here. Like, hopefully things go well. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, he's small talking with me, so so maybe maybe we're hitting it off all right. And I yeah, you know, I think since then, yeah, 
I can safely yeah. say you're a friend of mine. I'm honored to call you a friend. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, let's go. We've talked about MWA and like kind of my intro to you in MWA. Let's go back from the get go of M- How did you? How were you first introduced to MWA? I know you're in the Chicago area. Did you just meet Brian Blade out there? What was your start in MWA like? Well, years ago, Brian Blade and I worked on um, several events before it, you know, he started, you know, wrestling for MWA and Brian Blade, you know, talked to my, my agent and asked my agent, hey, look, we like, I like to, you know, see if the Beats would like to come wrestle for MWA. And uh, my agent got a hold of me and said, hey, this gentleman by the name of Brian Blade. I'm like, oh, I know that gentleman. And I'm like, sure. And from that point on, I've been wrestling for MWA for, for quite a while now. For quite a while. So, <laughs> I don't know how that that small bit that you said reminded me of this, but I remember one conversation I had with you and Chief Atakula Kula Oh, about a year or two later in the me working for MWA. I've been with MWA for five and a half years now. Um, mm-hmm. would you care to show or share on this podcast your first introduction when you first met the honky tonk man? Do you remember that day? Huh? Oh. <laughs> I, I want to be positive, but well, you're laughing, so that's a good sign. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Well, when I first met the Honky Tonk Man, it was um, an event called Rumble for the Kids. Okay. And Princeton, Illinois, ran by Frankie Woolsville. And basically, um, I was driving for Uber. <laughs> and I had to, they asked me to, you know, since I live in the Chicagoland area or nearby Chicago, they's like, hey, can you swing by over here to pick up Honky Tonk? I'm like, sure, no problem. And they gave me the flight information and told me when his flight was coming in and stuff like that. So I get there and he's as honky tonk gonna be honky tonk. He was furious, outraged, and he's like, Oh, I should have got a rental car. This freaking airport sucked and freaking fracking, freaking fracking. I'm like, Okay, sir. Got his bags, put it in in the trunk of my car. He didn't want to sit in the front seat, he sat in the back seat because he'd seen the the Uber logo on my window in the airport thing. And we're driving and he's just talking, 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 saying, you know who I am? I said, yes, sir. You're, you're honky tonk. He said, yep, I'm the former WWE United States champion. He said, I'm like, okay. And we talked for quite a long time. And then we get to the hotel in Princeton, Illinois. And I get out, take his bag, hand it to him. He's like, all right, sir. Have a great night. And I'm like, I grabbed my bag. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm standing here at the same hotel. He's like, huh? I'm like, yep. So he was like, oh, so you're driving me to the to the arena. I said, yeah. And basically, you know, the next morning, you know, I, I wait in the lobby, wait till he comes out of his room. And <clears throat> once again, he didn't want to sit in the front seat. He sat in the back seat. <laughs> I was playing the chauffeur. Sure. And we get to the building, and he's like, I can get you tickets for this event. I'm like, don't worry. 
So I'm sitting in the back, you know, laughing and joking with a bunch of, you know, old school legends that I that I known. And um, we're sitting in the locker room, and myself and Chief Alakula Kula were talking, and Honky Tonk Man was like, "Why is he back here?" I said, "Oh, by the way, I'm actually a wrestler." And he, and, and that blew Honky Tonk's mind. He said, "Well, I'll be darn." He said, all this time I thought you was such and such and I was about <laughs> to give you a tip. You you played me. You worked me. I'm like I said, always I said, always somebody that's worked you better than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so from that point on all we all we could do was just laugh like Honky Tonk got worked by the wild man beast. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've I've known bits of that. Like I knew obviously uh, that he didn't know you were a worker, and that was about right. the, the extent of what I knew. I didn't, and I, I think I knew kind of that you gave him a ride somewhere. But to hear that full story, I'm like, man, I'm learning now. <laughs> like, I'm loving every second of it. <laughs> see, see, because I, the thing was, I was so professional and everything, and you know, you you know how when someone from like an abnormal person would have totally freaked out and you know bugged them and asked them some a million questions i was just yes sir no sir i stay calm cool and you know like an average joke and you know he he, he failed for it yeah i mean so he didn't he didn't notice your your lack of marking out <laughs> But then, like, nope. obviously, you did enough to catch his attention if he was offering you tickets to this show and everything. But right. <laughs> I guess he should have known the product a little more, though, that he were working this show. Right. Oh, it, it, it was just it, it was just funny how he was like, well, I was just about to tip you, son of a bitch. Right of a finger. I'm like, <laughs> it's always good to work a worker. Absolutely. Now I I I know of a couple things I can still bring up that might trigger some sort of response from you. But is there any any stories that I don't know about or that you think the average audience member listening to this podcast doesn't know about that like really brings a smile to your face in reflection of the legendary wrestling career you had that you'd like to share at this time? I know you probably have a lot of stories, but <laughs> Yeah, there was actually um some fans in um, Newton, Iowa. God rest his soul. His aunt name was Andrew Mook. Mooka. Okay. okay. Uh, I wrestled out. I forget the name of the. Con- it was, I think it was HCWA in Newton, Iowa, and him and this other gentleman by the name of Carrie Stefan. These two gentlemen always they hated me. They hated my guts, and my music would play, and I would walk to the ring and. I think they only sell it out in Newton, Iowa. I don't know if they sell anything. They had these Oreos where it was two the two hard cookies that were black, and in the in the middle it was red. And he basically stood up after the ring announcement thing, you know, after the ring announcement did the introductions and so forth. And him and his buddies stood up, and he had these cookies, the box and the cookie, and they stood up and yelled, "Oreo!" Oreo, and I turn around and I seen the cookies, and they are like the only fans that made me laugh. 
while I'm trying to set my mind from my mat. <laughs> I mean, were and you, we and uh, were you, were you working babyface or heel that night? I was actually heel that night. Oh, that's even worse. Yes, they they stood up and they start, and then after that, the crowd. Whenever I would go back there, the crowd would chant Oreo the whole time. So it was <laughs> they were like the only fans that made me laugh when I'm supposed to be focusing on who I, my opponent was. And, you know, Mooch passed away, um, I think it was last year sometime. You know, I, I had got the news from one of from one of our close friends and I had just talked with him and told him I was going to come down and visit him and he had just passed away so suddenly and you know he 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 was considered wrestling family. He used to work at um Domino's Pizza so like whenever all the wrestlers would come in town they would hire triple the staff because he would <laughs> You're gonna laugh when you hear it. He will. We would order like 50 pizzas and 500 buffalo wings in different styles. Oh man! <laughs> so, and he he used his employee discount, and you know we tip we tipped him because he was our delivery guy. But the owner of the Domino's in Newton, Iowa, whenever the, whenever there was wrestling in town, they knew. Okay, everybody, we're gonna to have to full staff because these wrestlers are in town. And they like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking back to like the movie "Remember the Titans," where Grant, this, yeah. this is a high school football team, and the, the restaurant there said "Titans eat free," and then they show the football team like <laughs> snarfing down their meals, and then they erase the word "free" as the Titans eat. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. That's how it was. Oh man, man I, I, I've met a lot of good people. Um, on the road, you know, some fans that I consider family, they know like whenever I'm in town, they they all call my hotel room and say, Hey Beast, we know you're in town. We kinda of figured you would stay in here at this hotel. We know you get tired of eating restaurant food. Hey, we're gonna we want you to come by our home. Our door is open. Let's let we're gonna cook you a home, cook meal. I'm like, Oh, you know and this this was so heartwarming for me because yes, when you travel that's basically all you do is eat, you know, carry out food and stuff like that. Yeah. But for someone to invite you into their home and their fans, and you become so close to them, they invite you to their home for a home cooked dinner. You know, that's like totally amazing in my book. Yeah. That that is, and you, you know, you mentioned specifically fans did this to you, and you know, when I when I think of fans of the Wild Man Beast, I, I know. You, you've been through a lot over your career. You've had a lot of ups and you've had a lot of downs. But especially at those stressful moments, was there. Can you safely say that you would reflect and say, the sun will come out tomorrow? <laughs> the sun will always come out tomorrow, beast. <laughs> Yes, I've had some ups, I've had some downs, you know. Um, in the wrestling business, I do my wrestling and I keep my personal life away from the wrestling business. And I've had many of haters out there that, that hate me and 
hate me for achieving a goal that they couldn't achieve. And then I have so many other wrestlers out there that love me and respect me to the fullest. But, you know, those haters, they they always try to bring up stories and make lies about you just to get the attention that they see that I'm getting and they can't, you know, get to where I'm at. So I just laugh about it. But, you know, sometimes when those haters hate you so much and they put all these false whatever you want to say and they put your picture up, to me, that's free advertisement for me because other promoters will look and say, hey, hey, you know, hey, we heard, you know, this and this. I like to I like to book you for, for one of my events. And then when I come in and they see how professional I am and how how old school professional I am basically, it's like, you're not a bad you're not this person who everybody and and after that I once I get constantly booked, people are like, Oh, you're still booking them. Oh, we told you well, thank thanks for you know, have you know advertising them like that it's free free publicity free <laughs> advertisement absolutely now i i think i uh i still said a little bit of triggering words there and i i want to i i i can't have a conversation about or with you in a wrestling environment where we have wrestling fans listening i can't not talk about the sun will come out tomorrow and i mean th- this does involve a certain fan that has known you a lot longer than I have, uh, but as a mutual friend of ours, if you don't mind sharing the story of why I kind of lost you there. <laughs> okay, the reason why... Okay, he's a good friend of mine. He actually was one of my security guards when I was running my own promotion in Princeton at um, the revise of HCWA. Um, his name is Robbie, Robert Summers. <clears throat> call him Robbie and he, he he he's a huge wrestling fan like him and I became like good friends and he always wanted to see what it was like to be on the opposite side of the table to see how it was to travel as a wrestler I said sure I got a show in a town called Litchfield Illinois and I gave him the date and he's like okay I'll go with you so I went to pick him up and we head out there and we're you know I like doing karaoke while I'm driving and singing and we get to this hotel at the Super 8 Motel. We go to sleep. Then I wake up happy jittery and I start singing, you know, Robbie was actually passed out and I sat on the edge of bed stretching and, you know, and I said, the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar there's tomorrow. And he rolls over and slowly opens eyes and said, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, oh, this is what I do when I wake up and I go take a shower, you know, get dressed in the bathroom, come out, and I, he's like, I'm up. And I turn on the TV and I just start to flick through the channels, flick through the channels. And lo and behold, what comes on? Little Annie. And that part came on <laughs> and all myself and Robbie Summers can do was laugh and He's like, you did this on purpose. You knew this was coming. I'm like, dude, no, I didn't. <laughs> and all we can do the whole time at the wrestling, you know, when we get to the building, we're, we're just laughing and singing that song. And whenever he sees me and whenever I come down to Minnesota or he comes up near somewhere where I'm wrestling at, and he'll like, hey, Beastie, the sun will come out tomorrow. 
And he actually, I think it was him or somebody else, mailed me the DVD of Annie. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... Yeah, so, go ahead. I, I have to laugh because, so, I know Robert Summers through the Jericho Cruise. And, okay, you know, any okay. anybody who follows me, follows this podcast, like, <laughs> I talk a lot about the Jericho Cruise and how much I absolutely love this vacation. I... I will talk to you about it until you get sick of me uh, hearing me talk about it. And then guess what? I still don't stop then. Like, I love this vacation. <laughs> and it, it was after the first Jericho cruise, you know, I'm just around that time. I, I'm brand new in the business and just trying to find platforms of getting the name Johnny Cadillac out there. And I, okay. I create a, a fan p Facebook page, Facebook fan page of Johnny Cadillac and, you know, just trying to, see if I can get some support, whatever else. And I share it to a Facebook group that's specifically designed for uh, cruisers or potential cruisers of the Jericho cruise. Uh -huh. And there was one individual who, who saw my page and went and looked and saw some of the supporters on there, and that was Robert Summers. And he says, hey, I, I know Chief Atacula Kula and I know Beast. And so he, we became friends, like Facebook friends after that. And this was after the first Jericho cruise, but I didn't actually meet him on the cruise. And, you know, we okay. would, we'd interact here and there and getting ready for Jericho cruise too, where, you know, we did officially meet each other in person then. And so when I found out that, you know, I, I now have this new friend who has you as a mutual friend, I went to you at the next time I worked with you. And I said, hey, Beast, there's this guy I'm Facebook friends with now. His name is Robert Summers. What can you tell me about him? And you said, you know, oh, good kid. And you immediately told me that story, that little orphan Annie story. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is great. And so when I was getting ready to meet Robert on the second Jericho cruise, I told him, I said, hey, you and I, we're going to get together on the cruise. We're going to enjoy a couple drinks. And I want to hear stories about Chief Atacula Kula and Wild Man Beast. And he goes, well, I don't really drink, but uh, I'll be happy to talk about stories of those two. I said, perfect. So I, <laughs> I meet him the first day of the Jericho cruise. You know, we we knew who each other were, but we're finally introducing ourselves and shaking each other's hands. Hey, how's it going? And then when I got a moment to talk to him, I said, okay, I told you from the get go, I want to hear stories about Chief and Beast. And he goes, oh, I have so many stories, and um, honestly, my memory is bad. So. uh I don't really have anything to say other than this one time with Beast. And lo and behold, little orphan Annie <laughs> tells me the same story I heard from you. I said, perfect. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, and then, yeah, now the three of us are all real good friends. and <laughs> But we still yeah. got to smile, laugh, and tell that story whenever we can, right? <laughs> That's correct. Yes, sir. So... Uh, there's two more questions I, I want to ask you. Uh, number one, there's one name that you and I have mentioned quite a bit throughout this podcast um, that I've I've had very been very fortunate to have worked with just as long as I've been working with you. And when I talk about some of those few individuals that really have the most respect for me in this business, that other name I say is Chief Atacula Kula. I know you know Chief a lot better than I do. Um, you, you, you've spent many years together, um, you know, traveling the road and, uh, you know, now he, he's been, 
he has not been quiet about the fact that you know his wrestling days pretty much are done now. I think he uh, has his last booking either just happened or is getting ready to happen at this time. Um, but a very legendary career in the wrestling business Chief had, and I know you've spent a lot of time with him. If you don't mind, Beast, I want to give you the floor to just share some of your respects, some of your thoughts of Chief Atakulakula. Chief, <clears throat> the first time I actually uh, met Chief Atakulakula, I was um, co-owner of the HCWA out in Iowa, and I didn't. And I've heard, I had heard about him, but I had never seen his work. And he asked, "Could he, you know?" come work for the company and I said yes sure send me um some promo videos in an 8 by 10 and he actually sent it to me and I booked it. I didn't actually ask him to come to the event I, but the car was already booked and I told him hey look you'll be on standby he said no problem so what made Chief and I really close was thank God that he was there he um I was in a match, and I kind of got dropped um, on my lower spine, and I thought I had was paralyzed because I couldn't move from the waist down. And Chief was—he knew exactly what to do. He told the guys to take the ropes off the ring and. He was asking me this and this, and I. This was a scary moment for me. I thought I was totally paralyzed, and he asked, "Hey, can you feel this?" And I'm like, "No, I can't feel nothing." So when the paramedics came and they took my wrestling boot off, and you know they how they have to stick the little, I guess, a little pin in your foot to see what what was really going on, and <clears throat> there was no feeling there. I told him I couldn't feel nothing. So you know, Chief. Rode, rode to the hospital with me, stayed there until I actually, you know, checked out. And from that point on, Chief and myself became the best of friends outside, outside of the wrestling business. And um, him and I traveled on the road many a time. <clears throat> him and I fought, beat the crap out of each other in matches. Um, we've actually tagged up together. We have the utmost um, respect for each other. You know, he was the gentleman that brought had me the opportunity to go over to Puerto Rico again and, you know, have me wrestle some guys out at, I, I think it's La, La HSW in near Ponce or Rio Grande out there in Puerto Rico. And great, great person in and out the ring. I have nothing but the utmost respect for Chief Alakula Kula. Like I said, him and I have beaten the crap out of each other. We've tagged together and and I'll, we've traveled the road up and down and there's times where Chief, I'll tell you a funny story. Chief and I had was on the doing some shows for MWA and we were heading back and we were tired as heck. And um I think it was a five-day tour with MWA, something like that. And Chief, you know, really at night, I can't drive at night. So I do, do the, did the day driving. And we stopped at this truck stop to get um, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> and 
we used to always get a coffee latte with extra cream, extra sugar, and a double shot of espresso in it. So it was it was pretty strong. It kept us up. So we yeah, go okay. there, and and we go there. And now I'm tired. And I, I, we chief and I just want to get home. So there was this guy taking an order, and I he he I, chief said what he wanted to say, and you know, boom. And then the, then the guy's like, "What would you like, sir?" He didn't say nothing to chief, but as soon as I get up there and I tell him what I want, because chief ordered the same thing, you know, he, we always ordered the same thing. I said, I'm going to have the same thing. I said, I want a coffee, latte with double double shot of it, you know, espresso, extra cream, extra sugar. And he's like, don't you know that's that's bad for you? And at that point, how, how can I say it? I blew a gasket and I got really loud. And I told the guy, if you don't fix my freaking fracking coffee, I'm going to beat your freaking butt. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Beast, buddy, calm down. It's okay. I'm like, you don't freaking tell me what, the, how to drink my freaking coffee. Just give me my, my stuff and let. So this, I scared the guy so bad. His manager came from in back and said, "Sir, I'll fix that for you." I said, "I said, please do." I said, "I just want." It's like I wanted my fix. I wanted my morning rush. And this guy literally put his hat on, put his coat on, clocked out, and left the crew at this truck stop at Dunkin' Donuts when there was a long line. He left the crew stranded be all because I snapped off on him. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, Chief is our friendship outside of the wrestling business. I consider him true family. Absolutely. <clears throat> true family, one, one, one of the most respected guys in the business. You know, him and I talk on a rarity, and, you know, it's sad to see my good friend retire. I, I love him to death. You know, his family is my family, and, you know, he's gotten close to where he's he knows my mom personally. He knows my my younger brothers and my younger sisters. So that's that's a very tight bond that we have, and... If it comes down to it, I would take a bullet for Chief. I would, you know, if it came down to a big fight, I will put my life on the line for that brother. He's him and I, you know, I, there's stuff that, you know, that, you know, I, I never told anyone, you know, only Chief knows. And, you know, like I said, the, the friendship, the bond, and the true brotherhood with, that we have is one of the closest I ever got to to another work that actually became like, well, we can call ourselves blood brothers. I mean, I, he's going to be truly missed in the wrestling business, but, you know, when, when the time is coming, your body's beat up and you're just completely tired of it, you, you just got to say, I, enough's enough. I, I you, you just can't do it no more. Your, the body won't let you go that long. Yes, Ric Flair has done it, but we're not we're, we're not spring chickens anymore. Sure. But when when Chief retires, I'm gonna miss those road trips, those jokes and uh, just the fun things and the good laughs. 
you know, the good cries, you know, just basically, you know, having a great time on the road. And, you know, I'm always going to talk to him even when he does retire. We're going to just have those those great memories. And, you know, if you're listening, Chief, you know, I love you to death, my brother. You, I still love you. You, you are my true family outside of the wrestling business. And that, that will never, ever change, my friend. Absolutely. And kind of in closing, Beast, um, I just want to say, you know, it's, Chief had a legendary career um, in the business. So have you. And, you know, you've talked about your your days kind of being numbered. And I don't want to, you know, go too extensively in that because your story hasn't quite finished being told. But with that said, after the long, after the long career you have, um, just what is... I want to shine a spotlight for you to address a your fans from over the years and b any up and coming wrestlers with that one piece of advice that you want to give about the wrestling business as a whole. That's why I want to end today's interview with. <clears throat> well, like I told you, Johnny Cadillac, I've met a lot of <clears throat> great, great fans in my wrestling career. Um, some, some people don't, some of my fans don't want me to retire. Some actually watch me as a kid to, to their, now they're like 20, 30 years old. And for, for them to say that they watch me as a kid and they're, they're grown now that really makes me feel good i to feel that um my journey myself is about to come to an end i'm going to miss a lot of great friends that i've met a lot of people that i've met on the road um a lot of good people that that i've talked to that that i you know that i that i laughed with <clears throat> some i've some some of those wrestlers are no longer with us that I've really become close to. It hits home to me that, you know, that some of them have passed on to the other side. And, you know, and like I always say, you know, rest all, God rest of their souls until, until we meet again, my friends. You know, it's just my journey in my career is at its peak. You know, I want to go out with a bang this way and when i do i i'm i want to spend more time with my family my nieces and nephews and you know be be more at home to to enjoy the, the you know my my real life with the family because there there's been times where i put off birthdays you know christmases Thanksgiving and stuff because of my travels. And now that I'm actually saying farewell to something that I truly love, yes, I'm going to miss the business, but my body's going to be like, finally, the break that you need. And for, and, and part B of your question, for all the the newer guys, the the guys that are, trying to make a name for themselves remember this coming from me and, and it 
it's kept me going for the years that I've been in the business. Never let someone tell you that you cannot achieve anything in life. Let them, if they throw negativity stuff towards you, turn all that negativity into a positive and keep reaching for the stars. You, anything is possible in life. You can achieve any goal that you want. Yes, it may try to break you down, but keep keep your head up and keep moving forward. If that wave of water knock you down, get yourself, brush yourself off and say, I got this and just fight all the bad temptations in life and just strive to be the best that you possibly can. Thank you. Yeah, I think those words can really go a long way. If if somebody really takes them to heart, uh, the, the advice you gave, um, future can be bright for so many if they just follow that those simple simple words, simple phrases there. So, uh, Beast, I, I just want to reiterate how much respect I have for you, not as a business, but not just in the business. <laughs> Definitely in the business, but not just there. I'm I'm honored and privileged to call you a friend. I love you, my brother. Thank you, thank you. Same here, Johnny. Thank you very much, friend. And until then, the sun will come out <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I can't think of any better words to end today's conversation with than that. So thank you to the Wild Man Beast for coming on to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast this week. Thank you for all you listeners who uh, took the time out to, to listen to this conversation. Hopefully it brought some smiles and I mean, it was a good opportunity for me to talk to my friends. So, Beast, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Well, this is another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast with the Wild Man Beast. I'm, of course, your host, Johnny Cadillac. Thank you for listening, and until next time, we will see you then. Have a good day, everyone. <laughs>